Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I know what it's like to hear those three words. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. One day I said to my wife, Linda, that I hated the fact that I had cancer. And she looked at me and said, no, sweetheart, we have cancer. This transformed the way I looked at cancer because every one of us is touched by it in some way. Patients and survivors, caregivers and medical professionals, and we all have a story to tell. On each episode, we share those stories to inform, inspire, and provide hope to all of us who are affected by cancer to remind us that we are not alone. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 190 of the We Have Cancer podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, in the last episode, which uh, as those who listen know, uh, it's been an eight-month gap uh, since I've recorded an episode, and I shared the update of where I am with my treatment and uh, some of the good news I received, but uh, you'll also recall that I attributed it uh, truly. Uh, I wouldn't be where I am had I not read a post from my guest this week, Michael Reilly. So, buddy, it's great to have you on and, and get to uh, meet you somewhat face-to-face, even though it's uh, virtual, and uh, just really excited to trade stories and, and chat. And you're about, what, two years out, a little over two years since you were first diagnosed? Actually, uh, this weekend, Father's Day, the 19th, will be my, my two-year cancerversary, as we say. So okay. yeah, from my, my date of initial diagnosis, I'm just, just shy of two years. So tell me, how, what's the backstory? What, how did you end up getting diagnosed? Uh, what happened? Uh, well, it was unfortunately right at the beginning of COVID when all of the electric, elective surgeries and everything, you know, were being put on the back burner because of everything spreading around. So, you know, even probably a couple of years before then, I'd been having blood in my stool, you know, on and off for a good amount of time. But, you know, I, I'm a truck driver, so I, I put a lot of miles on the truck. So I kind of attributed a lot of that to, you know, sitting a lot and just, you know, outside of that, I felt pretty good. So I figured, you know, I'm 30, at the time I was 31 years old. So I was thinking, you know, why would I go see the doctor? Why would I do this? Why would I do that? Uh, and then I finally got there with my GP and they forwarded me to, you know, a, a gastrointestinal spe- specialist. So I went and saw them. They tried running the gambit of the normal stuff, uh, putting you on different medications, changing your diet, uh, all the little things that they think it could be when, in hindsight, if they would have just done a couple of these simple things to either go directly to a colonoscopy or done a, a certain few tests, it, it could have been uh, really started eight months earlier. Uh, you know, I was already stage four, so I'm not really sure if that eight months would have made much of a difference, but you, you, you know, it's something you always think about in the back of your head is what if I did get in there earlier? So I had an appointment for a colonoscopy and about a week before the appointment is when they canceled all the surgeries for New York State. So they called me, of course, and I 
I, I couldn't go. So I think that was probably March of 2020. So yeah, right, right, right at the beginning of COVID. And I finally got in. I, I think I called in and had to complain because I was having a lot of abdominal pain to the point where I, you know, it was difficult to get off the couch or do yard work or move around or really do much of anything serious. So they finally got me in for a CT scan first after I complained about that. And then the CT scan is really what actually showed the mass in my colon and in my liver. So although we didn't have anything set in stone or positive yet that it was cancer, the the GI specialist pretty much said that he's pretty sure it's cancer. But then I already had this colonoscopy scheduled for that following Monday. So I only had to wait a couple of days to do the colonoscopy to get the biopsy and really get that solid. Yes, that it is cancer. Uh, so I, I kind of almost liked it better that way as odd as it is, because I already had the heads up before my colonoscopy. A lot of people wake up from their colonoscopy and they're told, you know, you have this insane cancer. So at least in my mind, I was kind of prepared that I already knew that this was going to be discovered, and this was just the next step of uh, getting down that road. So I guess that, in a weird sense, it was kind of nice that it happened that way. Um, so then I hooked up with uh, my local cancer center here in Buffalo, and that was the infamous date of June 19th, 2020, and they basically told me that you know, like a lot of us here, it was incurable, inoperable, chemo for life, you know, basically, basically, you're going to die in like a year, is what my oncologist told me, and that was at 31 years old, so I was, uh, I was, I was pretty young, and that was, that was tough to hear with, with my wife and I sitting down, I we kind of Jeez. knew it was going to be shitty, but, uh, actually, hearing that was was pretty detrimental to uh your mental health your well like ever sure. like everything like obviously right. even now two years out it's something that you still have to deal with quite a bit sure well obviously you didn't take that uh news <laughs> lying down no pun intended uh you know you fast forward to today and you're NED, you're no evidence of disease. And that didn't happen easily, obviously. But what did you do, Michael, to uncover the, these options that were available to you uh, that your doctor initially was ready to write you off for? What, you know, what, what steps did you take? How did you learn about some of these uh, uh, treatment options that got you to NED? Uh the biggest one was just, it was literally like the second we got home from that appointment, you know, I hopped right online to do my research and look for other options or other places to go or other things to do that are better than what I was just told, which was obviously completely crap. So pretty much anything was better at that point. And I think one of the first thing, you know, there's Facebook pages and, and stuff all over the place. and um but the best one that you've obviously mentioned, I'm sure, in many of your podcasts, as well as the one last week, was Colon Town. And Colon Town was really where I found the 
overwhelming majority of uh, different options or different treatments or different places to go, especially Memorial Sloan Kettering, where I go. Uh, and thankfully, I'm in Buffalo, so I'm not uh, terribly far from New York City. So it was, and I know you go there too, and you you fly from Florida, so you <laughs> you get the whole uh, you get the whole scenery trip of coming the whole, off the coast. But yeah, that was that was pretty much. Um, the whole deal was just being able to have the sense to to look around and explore for other options, and not just accept that. Uh, I mean, in the literal sense, that I was just going to die soon. Um, because and what was your re- what was your reaction when Sloan Kettering was the one to tell you, uh, no, <laughs> what you heard in Buffalo is not true. We think, uh, we think we can get you on the right path. I was, I was probably a little bit in shock because, uh, I, I did do my first six rounds here in Buffalo. Uh, and they told you know, they directed me to, to finish out those first six rounds because that's what they would have done anyway, before really getting into anything more serious. But after the first six rounds here locally, we, uh, my wife and I, we flew out to Sloan, you know, and had them do their own set of scans and see what they could offer me. And, you know, we had already done our research and, and, you know, we had knowledge of the HAI pump that I have and that you have now as well. And, you know, other options like Y90 and just regular old surgery and everything else that they offer. And it was Dr. Kingham, who is my liver, my liver surgeon. He basically came to the room and he pretty much laid it right down on the piece of paper and said, we will give you this pump and we'll do it like next month. So it was, it, it was really odd to have someone tell me that like none of this is possible and then go somewhere else and have all of these options just opened up pretty much overnight. Uh, we, we almost, we of course did take the surgery, and uh, but we we almost had to sleep on it for a night just because we weren't expecting to have that great of news and that good of outcome of the of the trip. So, I think in shock was probably the the biggest emotion I was feeling when when Sloan finally offered me something to basically work towards a curative path to do something better for myself. It was, it was wild. Did you feel, because I, I know I have, I I have felt this. Did you feel kind of this level of satisfaction and empowerment, you know, that you didn't take the first option that, you know, news that was shared with you, that you did your homework, you did your research, you discovered this op- opportunity that ultimately, fast forward to today, has uh, produced you know fantastic results. I know, you know, when I got my scan results uh, in May, and uh, Doctor Reedy walks in with the biggest smile on her face and gives me a <laughs> high five and says, "You've had a beautiful response." I mean, obviously, I, you know, I was thrilled, but part of me was like, "Heck yeah!" You know, there was like a. Uh, that's why I did the last episode was. You know, this is what happens when you do your research, you do your homework, you don't take the first, you know, the first set of news lying down. It had, did you experience some kind of Absolutely. something similar? 
Yeah, it because it, it's it's that sense of self satisfaction that that like we we did that you know we we had a hand in the fate of the rest of the direction that our life goes because of what you know what we did rather than just kind of sitting back and laying down like you said and letting someone else say this is what's going to happen this is when it's going to happen and this is what we're going to do we obviously said no we can do this we can do that. I can go talk to this person and I have these options available. So it was absolutely a, a a big sense of satisfaction and pride in, in, in ourselves to be able to know that we did that and, and be able to help other people become aware that, that they can do that too. Yeah. And you're talking to one of them, as you know, (laughs) as I shared in the last episode, I, you know, I saw that post, uh, when you first got the news that you were NED and I grabbed my phone and I put it in my wife's face. I said, read this. (laughs) I said, I'm doing this. Right. Um, it, 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 it's almost, and unfortunately I've only had a few months in the NED space, but what you're sharing is not uncommon. We've talked about that many times here on the podcast. It's almost you feel like you've jumped out an airplane without a parachute, right? You know, at least when you're in treatment, you have the security that something's going on and you're being watched and you're being monitored and to be told, all right, you're good. Be, be off, be, be off with you. And people, uh, and I love this term. I saw it on Twitter. I thought it was so good describing people who don't have cancer and don't understand cancer. They call them cancer muggles for our Harry Potter fans. So the, so the cancer muggles, which I just love that the cancer muggles don't have a hard time understanding that they're like, but you got good news and cancer's gone and, and go live your life. And, it doesn't work that way. It does, you know, because you feel like you're always kind of looking over your shoulder. Uh, you know, is it going to come back? You know, and I got to wait six months. And, you know, some people, go, that's great. Now you only can six months or yeah. once a year, but it's, it's, you feel like you're lo- using, losing your security blanket, don't you? Yeah, I, I, I kind of missed, I, you know, as much as chemo sucks or going to, you know, finding New York City and doing everything sucked. I, I, I missed going to chemo and having that routine, and it, it, it was difficult to, to not do that, and and have that, you know, because I, I made, you know, I, I adjusted my whole life, my work schedule, my my family schedule, everything was around chemo and surgeries and treatment so going back to not having that was was very difficult and, it, and it's still something i'm adjusting to uh, the one that's the one good thing for me kind of with the pump uh even being ned is i still kind of get that hospital fix because I'm on three week flushes right now. So as weird as that sounds, it's kind of nice. I go back for every three weeks and I still get my, you know, all my normal labs checked and I still get my CEA checked every three weeks, which is nice. Uh, so I still kind of get that, that little hospital fix in there, but it's not like anything too serious. Um, but yeah, it was, it was and has been in, and probably will still continue to be an adjustment for a good period of time. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I get it, right? Uh, the cancer muggles don't. Yeah. And that, by all means, if anybody's listening, that is not <laughs> meant, that is not meant derogatory, right? It's just, uh, you know, if you're not in it, you're not able to have the understanding of the people who are. And, and my wife and I have had this conversation. She, she has said, you know, you don't know what it's like to be a caregiver. And that wasn't meant in a hostile manner. She says, you don't know what it's like to see you being wheeled off to surgery while I sit in the waiting room. And I said, you're right. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> right? Yeah. All right. And, and I could say to her, you don't know what it's like to go through chemo every two weeks and feel like crap and all that. Those are not, um, you know, argumentative statements. They're both facts, right? Yeah, absolutely. So when, so when we say people who don't have cancer don't understand, that's not meant derogatory either. It's just you. It, it's not the life you live. That's all. Yeah. Um, and you know, I I think the lesson here is we should try not to make assumptions. You know, and rather than saying, "Oh, you're cancer free, you're good." Probably the better thing to say is, wow, you got news that I'm sure you're excited about. How do you feel about it? Yeah, that, right? that lets you share that. Definitely right? a better a better approach than just saying, oh, yeah, you're you're good. Let's let's go back to normal. Or why? Why do you still feel sad? Or why do you still feel the need to have an attachment to treatment or something? You know, because a lot of people, they just that you, you can't understand just until you really are in the heat of it yourself. Sure. I mean, when I found out my liver enzymes were elevated and they said, hey, you know, you're not going to come to New York uh, this coming Friday. We're going to skip a month. Even that was unsettling. Oh, yeah. Like, and it was the oncologist at Sloan talking to my oncologist down here. And I was like, no, I want to hear it from the oncologist (laughs) myself. And, you know, so she was kind enough to do a televisit, you know, with uh, my wife and I. And I said, you know, is this something I should be concerned with? She goes, no, it's normal. It's all good. And I said, all right, if you're not worried, then I'm not going to be worried, right? But I just needed that comfort. I was like, what do you mean I'm skipping an appointment? <laughs> you know, where most people would say, well, that's great. Yeah. It's like, but I'm not sure it's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I had the same. Right? I think it was my second uh, FUDR pump treatment. I had to skip that. And it was as much as... It was nice not to have chemo. You still, it's still discouraging to us as patients to know that we're not receiving this treatment that that we need because of you know liver enzymes or whatever blood blood level is out of whack. It's a it's a it's a big blow to us to to have to put something like that off usually. Yeah, again, it it goes back to the uh, security blanket. Let's shift over and talk about uh, where you and I met, and that was in the uh, Man Up to Cancer Facebook group. What's different about that group? Why? What's been important to you about that group and being a part of that community? It's it's just usually I put it like it's just home. It it feels like home. It just everything is so laid back. I. Uh, I was just actually talking with one of the other guys earlier today. I was messaging with him and he said something to the fact of, you know, we can, we can go there and we can vent and complain or do whatever we have to do and not feel like 
we're being whiny or like we're being judged for complaining about something in our treatment or something in our life that has been affected by cancer. Uh, you know, guys post funny memes all day long or just post an update. Like last week, a lot of um, the guys' kids were graduating from high school. So we saw loads of pictures of, you know, fathers and their and their kids graduating from high school, which was awesome because we, we share – we share our lives together instead of just sharing treatment together, which I think kind of sets it apart from any other group out there. Yeah, no doubt. And how much do you think the fact that it's technically just guys in terms of creating an environment where it's comfortable to kind of show our feelings, which if it was mixed gender, I don't think that's the case. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, there's there's things I'll post on there that, you know, I will feel nervous talking to my wife or anyone else about just because it's more comforting talking to a dude about it and just having that, that male companionship that we all have in the group makes a world of difference because as as we've seen like in Colon Town and most other cancer groups, it's it's predominantly women. So if if there's anything that a guy wants to talk about, especially if it's male specific, you know, specifically male related, they just won't bring it up, or they'll be too shy to talk about it. Understandably so, because it's you know it's the internet, and who knows what kind of crap you're going to get back for whatever you post. So it's really that that male aspect makes that really makes it. Yeah, to, even I've been to a, a few of the uh, Colorectal Cancer Alliance conferences, and my wife's come with me to a couple of them. And I'm like, "Where's all the dudes? I mean, <laughs> this is not a women's disease." Yeah, but even in a conference, we couldn't get guys to show up and participate at the level that you see in the Man Up to Cancer group. And I, I just, you know, and I've I've sung the praises of. Uh, of Trevor and Joe, and I know you're one of the admins too, of what an incredible, an incredible service that is being offered to guys dealing with cancer, whether they're the patient or the caregiver, whatever it is, that it's a safe, private place to, you know, reveal your hobbies and reveal your tears. Yeah, it, it, it yeah. really is. And it, it's like you said, it's, it's just like unlike anything else out there. And it's, I wouldn't be, I don't think where I am or as comfortable with my cancer and my disease without having that outlet. It's really made a difference in my journey specifically. And I know it has in, in so many others. And it's just it's 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 awesome to be a part of. I couldn't be happier to 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 be an admin in there and help out with everything. And you you've seen that we're planning, you know, the whole thing in September with the gathering of wolves and the and the camping trip that we're doing. And uh, it's almost given me a you know a new sense of of purpose to some extent. Because it just makes it makes you feel more involved and make you feel like you're really giving back to something that really is kind of this this niche that, like you said, with the men only, it it is really isn't provided anywhere else. Yeah, 
and you know it's incredible uh you know and again it's another club that nobody wants to be a part of but uh thank goodness it's there with over 1500 well, i think 1600 yeah yeah know, we're we're, group, we're right around 1600 fun, right now which is incredible uh for those listening who are not familiar with the september gathering of wolves uh tell our listeners what that's about we have about 60 guys from the group coming from literally all over the world um a lot of guys from canada obviously most of most of them from the u.s uh one of the members just got his plane ticket from belgium to come over so uh that's david dewild he'll be here with us yeah Uh so he'll be here with us which is incredible he's never been to the u.s before so i'm excited just to have him over here just to just to be able to help provide him that experience uh in his life is is incredible uh but yeah we're gonna we got this whole place near my house in buffalo that is just going to be this men's retreat we got 60 guys going and it's just going to be a weekend of basically like the howling place facebook group but in real life uh doing cookouts and around a campfire and playing lawn games and and fishing on the pond and just really being able to kind of let loose with guys that just like the group guys that get it. And we don't even have to be talking about cancer. It's just, just this sense of being with someone that has faced what you have is, is so calming in itself that, it's going to be the, like the best, you know, Trevor, Trevor and Joe just can't stop talking about how excited they are. Just, just as everyone can't, um, it's, it's going to be awesome. And if people, uh, want to get more information on it, just, uh, just check out, uh, the man up to cancer howling place Facebook group. Uh, unfortunately for this, for this year's, the, the attendance is pretty much capped out just cause we, Oh, it's capped out. Okay. We're, we're, Good to know. Now we got to start planning for food and everything and have a, a, sure, a solid sure. attendance number. Sense. But this yeah. is, this is definitely just going to be the first annual gathering of wolves. So mm-hmm. there's going to be more opportunities each year to do this for all of the members as, and as well as just the group in itself growing, we're going to have little gatherings, uh, all over the country and all over the world of just guys getting together on their own and doing their own little trips or doing their own little gatherings too. So it's Love really it. just one, it's really just a big gathering of, uh, of, of magnitude proportions. I, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it's going to be incredible and um, I'm excited to see how it grows and spawns other uh, get togethers and such. Well, listen, Michael, this has been absolutely awesome. First off, so great to uh, connect with you, uh, you know, in more than just uh, comments in a Facebook group. So definitely appreciate that. Uh, I, I, I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to look at you and say thank you for inspiring me to, to have the, uh, the pump placed uh, because I've already started on the path of positive news and hopefully that will continue and i have you to thank for that so just from the bottom of my heart thank you for all that you do not just for me but for everybody else in that group uh you really are making a difference in the lives of a lot of people thank you and, uh, i appreciate and that great. and uh appreciate you joining me be well my friend thank you very much leo it was great it was great meeting you 
You as well. You as well.